Scene 21 Setting At the Cross Golgotha Luke chapter 23 verses 32 to 37 The executioner loomed over me, holding the seven-inch-long iron nails. I lay beneath him, much like a lamb being held down, before he is slaughtered. With the angle in which I was viewing him, he appeared to be nine feet tall, much like a demonic principality, who was once an esteemed angel in my heavenly host. The black clouds above also cast an eerie gloom over him. The shapes in the cloud appeared to me like sinister serpents with hissing tongues, winged and fanged, snickering. The air became menacing, with an overwhelming stench of something rancid. When sin abounds, the atmosphere is even contaminated by the sin. The sin rises to the nostrils of my father with a putrid, acrid odor, in contrast to the prayers of the saints which rise to him like sweet-smelling incense. The foreboding hour of darkness had come, and Satan would take full advantage of this short time to gloat over the Son of God. I was stretched out, flat on my back. I did not resist or shout, nor did I cry out when the executioner bent over me and began to drive the nails deep into my flesh. He now pounded the first nail between the small bones in my wrist. He hammered until the nail pierced through to the rugged wood of the cross. The pounding of the nails into my flesh appeared to be a tragedy but it was, in fact, the resounding beat of the foundation being constructed of the new temple. The temple, my body, was being prepared. The eternal temple of God built on the cornerstone, me, and my sacrifice for you. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm chapter 118 Verse 22. For you, for you, I recited to myself, has the nails pounded into the tender soft tissue of my feet, ripping through my muscles, my sinews, my veins. The pounding seemed to last an eternity, with searing pain shooting through my body that was beyond comprehension. I wanted to die now. I did not want to be hung on the cross and endure the excruciating torture of hanging by my wounded wrists and mutilated feet until I suffocated. But I knew. I had to complete what I had begun. The curse of humanity would be broken only by my sacrifice on the cross. The hands which one fed the five thousand along with the women and the children, were now pinned to a degrading, disgusting execution stake. My hands, in my future glory, will nourish, welcome my sons and daughters into heaven. I had to focus on the glory set before me. As my heel was crushing the head of the serpent for all time, 
both of my feet were being pierced with a huge nail. The same feet that walked throughout the countrysides of Galilee to heal the sick and raise the dead, the same feet Mary of Magdalene had poured oil over and washed with her hair, the same feet that would stand in a resurrected form only three days from now, the same feet which would command the reverence of the whole world years from now on the Mount of Olives, one nail driven near both heels. Perhaps it was Satan's way of adding an additional injury to insult in order to fulfill the scripture's prophecy. The serpent will bruise his heel. What was being carried out was a fulfillment of my father's promise to Eve and all of her children. The seed of a woman will crush the serpent's head, while the serpent will bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 I had been written into the plan from the beginning of all time. Even in the curse of the garden after the fall of Adam and Eve, which brought sin into the world, there was a promised blessing. Me, Jesus, the righteous Messiah. The serpent, of course, was inhabited by Satan, who was Lucifer, my chief musician and once prized angel. He desired to be worshipped like God, so he had to be cast out of heaven along with one-third of my angels who are now demons. Thus, Satan seeks people to worship him, as he roams the earth like a tainted lion, seeking whomever he can devour. He appears as an angel of light. He offers lies that are so tasty-looking he will deceive many. But he and his fallen angels know their time is short. One day, they will be cast into the abyss forever. My work on the cross today is the crowning glory of my kingship. All power has been given to me as I make an open spoil over the enemy. I thought about the soldier that held the nail as it was being pounded near my heel. What a strange task for a man to perform! To nail another man to a cross. Did the soldier think about this very act when he was a boy? Did he hope to grow up and be a murderer? Did he want to be a centurion in the Roman army? Or did he want to be a carpenter or a winemaker? What if he wanted to be an artist? How could he stand to see the blood squirting from my ankle? How could he keep the nail steady as the other soldier performed the forceful blows that drove it through my flesh? If his hand shook, the nail might not pierce the proper place, thus breaking my bones. My bones were not to be broken today. It was prophesied that even if my bones were to fall out of joint, none would be broken, just as the Passover lamb's bones were not to be broken. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. John chapter 19 verse 36 What if the one using the hammer missed the nail and hit the soldier instead? Had they practiced this many times? I thought about these men as they nailed my feet to the Latin-shaped cross. 
Would they drink tonight and celebrate the successful crucifixion? Would they remember me when they slept tonight on their beds? Would they toss and turn with remorse and guilt? I was thinking of them. As I was thinking of you. As I am thinking of you now. Did you sin in a manner where only a nail driven into a saviour on a cross could redeem you? No one else has to know. But I know. I am thinking of you as I lie here fastened to a cross, a hideous spectacle, my chest heaving, my body labouring to stay alive a little while longer until it is finished. Every muscle in my body aches, every nerve, every fibre is groaning with pain and anguish. When you face your most hidden sin in the one you have buried deep in your heart, you will know you have a Saviour who hung on the cross and stayed on the cross just for you. I could have torn the nails from my flesh. I could have leapt into the crowd and said, Aha! I am king! Worship me now! But because my father required a perfect blood sacrifice for your sake, I hung on. I stayed so that you could come to me one day. Pour out your heart to me. Come under the blood and find redemption. My dream was for you to live and truly be the person you were created to be, without guilt, sin, fear, doubt, or shame. The boyhood of these soldiers was quite far from their minds. But to me, they were still boys. I knew they would suffer from what they had just done. How could they not? A man hurting a man who has done nothing wrong? A person punishing an innocent person? The nail they drove into my flesh would come back to pierce their very own hearts. The sky was pitch black now. People's faces were covered with uneasiness and dread as they noticed the darkened sky. The clouds were so thick, it was if it was midnight in mid-afternoon. The sun hid its face for these hours, as my Father in heaven had commanded. It will be dark for some time, as this present madness continues. Death by crucifixion can take six hours or up to four days. I did not think I could go through another second of this pain. As the soldiers lifted up the cross in which my body was attached to place me between the two criminals, they did not know they were fulfilling prophetic scripture. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 14 Moses lifted up the brass snake I had told him to make, which will become a symbol of healing in the medical field. The children of Israel were healed of the plague. And now, as I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself, heal their diseases and save them from eternal damnation. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, 
and it shall come about that every one who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Numbers Chapter 21 Verses 8 to 9 To some people this seemed illogical. Why would God want the people to look at a statue of a bronze serpent lifted up on a pole to be healed? The questions will be the same with my crucifixion. Why would I need a savior? Someone who lived and died thousands of years ago? Some man who called himself Jesus, who died on a cross. Why is it important to me? For it pleased the Father, that in me should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, I, Jesus, reconcile all things unto myself, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. I cancel out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against you, which are hostile to you. I take them out of the way, nail them to the cross. When I had disarmed the rulers and authorities, making a public display of them by my death and resurrection. Colossians chapter 1 verses 14 to 15, paraphrased. As the vertical wooden post of the cross was being pounded into the ground, my body jerked and jolted in pain. I looked up to heaven and cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Some people watching still sneered and jested among themselves. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. I knew fear, sin, and doubt in their hearts. The ugliness of the cross is the culmination of the ugliness of sin placed upon it. Upon the cross lay the sins of the world. When other gods vie for attention, and they will, the cross will be the pivotal point of illumination. Any god may live for people, but only one god will die. To take the place of another is the greatest expression of friendship and of love. As physically excruciating it is to be hung on the branches of an olive tree with your limbs pierced, the humiliation is equally brutal. I had been stripped naked again, not even a thin garment to shield me from the disgrace. As the soldiers cast lots for my robes, I grieved most as they bet on my inner garment, the one that is woven in one piece. I did not grieve that I was naked. Even stripped to the bone, no, it was for you that I grieved. For I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. For the times when you would be humiliated, publicly or privately, by your own spouse when he betrays you, or when a group casts lots for your very own person, and you will be subject to them as a slave or when a woman is sold to the highest bidder as a wife or becomes a servant among her relatives. Or worse than that, when a young girl is sold to an older neighbor in exchange for a cow. 
It is when you feel naked and alone. You need to know you have the right to be covered. It is when you feel violated. You need to know that, even though someone can hurt your body, there is no one who can rob your soul. I was thinking of your soul, as I am thinking of you now. I am the protector of your soul. Human decency is more important than human torture or even death. Even a criminal who deserves to die warrants a decent death. In my delicate human condition, I watched them cast lots right at my feet, and I grieved for those that would be found naked one day against their will, tortured and humiliated beyond recognition. It is why I, with obedience, entered into the humiliation, and it is why I remain on the degrading cross. I had already made my decision, and there was no turning back. As the soldiers were casting lots over my garments, my loved ones wanted to rush in and cast their lot so that they could save my garments and preserve them as a memory of me, but the lots had to be cast to fulfill the prophecy. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Psalm 22, verse 16 I thought of my mother in the distance and the women who had stood by me. I knew they could not bear the sight of me at this point, but they attempted to look bravely on. My mother would be certainly numb with anguish. I prayed for the angel of the Lord to strengthen her, the one who had strengthened me in the Garden of Gethsemane. I thought of her eyes so full of love. Each time she looked at me as a child, I felt a warm eternal embrace. I prayed she would feel the same embrace now as her son hung bleeding and dying on a cross. The vessel through which I had chosen to enter the earth was as pure as pure could be. My mother, Mary, would love me to the end. I knew she would take my place if I would let her. I knew it as much as I know the beginning from the end. I was the author and finisher of her faith. But ironically, she had possessed the womb from which I had come. How great a love is a good mother! I wished for her sake. I did not have to finish this business of salvation, but I also knew for her sake I knew I must, for even my mother needed a saviour. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I saw her trembling, her lips quivering, as she bravely stood strong for me. She would not cower or shrink back, no, even though she did not understand the whole picture. She knew that I was the beloved son of my Father in heaven and that I walked a unique path on this earth. The women braced themselves near her. They tried to hold her up, but she, in fact, was holding them up. These beloved few kept close with me, having stayed up all night, crying with despair. They felt helpless, 
What could they do to fight against the Roman government? They had walked up the hill close behind me, as did my dear disciple John. I looked at my mother's sad, long face, her eyes pleading for answers, for some sense of relief. I witnessed John's precious face peering up at me with eternal love, but full of questions. I whispered to her, and to John in a hoarse breath, Dear woman, here is your son. And I said to him, Here is your mother. He would take care of her the rest of her life. They had to strip me. So when your private thoughts are exposed to the vicious public by some ignorant person's revenge, and you feel you have been stripped bare before a ruthless crowd, you will know that your Saviour experienced the same degradation. Your human decency is safe with me. In the temple of my blood, your mind, your heart, your body, and your soul are covered in white linen from heaven. You are safe with me now. You are safe with me always. I will always defend you with the cost of my own life. My chest is heaving now. To take in the smallest amount of air into my lungs, I must push up on my nail-bound feet. My body is involuntarily doing this in order to stay alive. I am dehydrated, tortured beyond repair. My shoulders are out of joint. It won't last much longer. Be of good cheer, I told myself over and over. As I tell you now, I have overcome the world. I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now.